بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إنما بعثت لأتمم مكارم الأخلاق Dear friends, the topic is about how to maintain relationship, good relationship with the spouse, with parents, with children, with friends and with family. To be honest, each one of these would take uh, a few days to try to understand each one of them. But because we have a short amount of time, we're just going to look at some general rules related to uh, these aspects. What is it that what is the engine that is needed to have good relationships? What is the background? What is the essence that is needed to have good relationships? If a person is able to develop a good relationship and learn how to develop good relationship with one category of people, then inshallah he can easily uh, use that in other places. So, because there are some core features core akhlaq and character traits which are necessary for any relationship to be a good person let us understand a few things first that I think it all comes down to akhlaq and character it all comes down to akhlaq and character because a bad relationship happens because maybe we get angry too much we are too sensitive something small goes wrong somebody says something accidentally maybe or misunderstanding takes place and we get angry because we have no tolerance we're not willing to give people the benefit of the doubt so if we look at the Prophet ﷺ, he provides one of the best examples the best example of how to maintain so many relationships because if you're talking about relationship with people well I don't think there's as many people that we deal with as the Prophet ﷺ dealt with in his job. He was an Imam. Imams have a very, very tough job because they have, uh, generally in another job, you have one manager, one supervisor, maybe three people above you. But when you're an Imam, then the whole community thinks that they are your boss. The Prophet ﷺ was an Imam of the Masjid. The Prophet ﷺ was a father to children. He was a grandfather. He was a husband to nine wives at once. Some people are complaining about just dealing with one wife. One wife, a lot of people have issues with just that. So the Prophet ﷺ dealt with nine wives at once. So there are many, many issues that we could learn from the Prophet ﷺ just by reading the seerah with a focus on trying to see how he just dealt with matters. He dealt with so many ignorant people. The famous story about the person who came to the masjid to, and for some reason started urinating there. Now if anybody came and done that here, we would assume that the person was doing it on purpose and was doing it to desecrate the place, because who else would do that today? But we have to put in perspective that in those days the masjids did not have a carpet. Right? It was just a natural ground with maybe a basic structure around. So they would basically, nowadays people don't relieve themselves out in the open, except the uncouth people. 
who you see in street corner sometime in a dark alley or something who just can't find a toilet for whatever reason and willing to just do it anyway. But to be honest, even if you go to third world countries today, there are still people who, decent people who will just, if they need to go, they go on the side because there aren't any public toilet facilities. So we have to understand the context. Now the most amazing thing is that when he came and he started urinating and the Sahaba obviously they got upset that this is, a this is a very special place, why are you doing this here for? But the Prophet ﷺ now, one thing is that this person is doing this in the masjid. But on the other hand, the Prophet ﷺ is concerned that it would be now harmful to stop him. Because to stop somebody mid-urination is actually not very healthy. But can you imagine the split-second decision? Because for most people, they think he's urinating in the masjid. That will cloud the mind. That will overcome the mind. There's nothing about his health anymore. Who cares about his health? He's doing something wrong. But the Prophet ﷺ gave everything its due. To think of the person's health at that moment, say, no, no, leave him. And then he called him and spoke to him later and said, look, this is a place, you, you, this is not a place for this kind of thing. He was telling him that he obviously knew he misunderstood. This was not an act of a vandalism that maybe some people try to do today to Allah protect. But you know what I mean? But to decide that at that moment is amazing. And that's very difficult to get to that level. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him, وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَىٰ خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ That you have on the highest sublime character. So why should we have good relationships? From a practical perspective, why should we have? I know you're going to say, well, obviously you should have. It's a good thing to have, it's virtue. Well, let's just think, there are several benefits to having good relationships, just from a normal, sensible person's perspective. Number one, life becomes more enjoyable. Less stress. If you're always angry about something, or there's an argument always with someone, or you're always, um, you're not happy with somebody, all of that creates an imbalance in the human being. That can't be healthy. Humans are not born to be unhappy. Humans are born to be happy because that's the, the, the way I look at it. It's because inshallah, if we're successful, where is success going to take us? Jannah. Jannah. Jannah is a place of great happiness. So that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us for. So that means the, the reason that happiness is the default that we should be happy is the fact that inshallah that's we're going to be happy forever inshallah once we are accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and written to be freed from hellfire in these nights of Ramadan inshallah. So our life becomes more enjoyable, less stress. Number two, people are more likely to go along with the changes that we want to implement. Like if we're a bit bossy, and if we have good relationships with, the, with our relatives, with our family members, then since we have good relationships, it will help us to implement good things. So some people, uh, among a hundred people, you'll see a few who are the kind of bossy type. Uh, bossy doesn't have to be a negative term. In this sense, they, they like managing things. They have a leadership qualities. Others have following. Majority of people are followers. They don't lead. But for both of these types of people, having good relationship lets you get along the way. It just eases the function. You can apply this to business. You can apply this to management. Number three, they say that having a good relationship gives you freedom. How does having a good relationship give you freedom? 
It gives you freedom because instead of wasting time and energy overcoming problems that you create and you build up and you magnify, which you know, comes about because of negative uh, relationships, we can instead focus on building on opportunities. Because when you're constantly in a state of defense, constantly in a state of angry about something, then you don't look about how to make things better. You're always about telling somebody off or putting something, uh, 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 taking somebody to task. So there's a lot of opportunity cost here, which is not worth it. If you're unhappy with something, go and make yourself happy doing something else. Uh, number, the, the last one, parents, well not the last one, but another one, parents, spouses, children, friends, everything that was on your poster, right? Colleagues, and how many other people did you have on there? I thought, I saw that Titan, I thought, Allah help us, right? So that's why I thought, let's talk about the core ingredients, because if we're going to try to talk about this, because uh, inshallah, in about two months, I've got a book on just marriage. Um, it's called Handbook of a Healthy Muslim Marriage. Just talking about marriage. Not even dealing with children in that too much. It's just talking about dealing with the spouse. Right? About 250 pages or so. So, I mean, it takes, you know. So, parents, spouses, children, friends, colleagues and neighbors are all essential to our success. You see, a lot of people, they need to get this misunderstanding that they think that I don't care if anybody supports me or not. I don't care if anybody's my friend or not. And these people are not wali of Allah. You see, the wali of Allah is the only person who has the right to not care about what people think. Because they say that once praise or criticism doesn't matter to you, because you are just there to please Allah, that's a whole different, that's a very happy person. But most people who are unhappy, who have a problem with relationships, are people who try to say, I'm going to do as I want. I don't care what people think of me. I don't care if they all break. And they genuinely don't care. They just want to do it their way. But that's a very miserable way. That's a very miserable life. Because what we have to realize is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed us among people. And parents, you can't exchange them. Parents are given to us by Allah. So many times in counseling, we have to express to people. In your own life as well, you start realizing at the end of the day, these are my parents. If they've got a problem, if they're not as good as so-and-so's parents, why can't they be like that parent? Brother, this is Allah's taqseem. This is Allah's division. This is Allah's allotment. And we have to make the best out of that. If we have children that have certain weaknesses, that's Allah's allotment. Let's make the best out of it. Okay, a spouse, maybe you can change. Right? You don't need to, but at least with a spouse you can change. But with a parent you can't change, with children you can't change, uncles you can't change, grandparents, nephews, nieces, you can't change these people, these are your blood, right? The, if they've got a problem, you've probably got some problem with that as well, because it's the same blood that's going around. It's just we are blind to our own mistakes sometimes. So, all of these people are essential for our success. To be successful in this world because at the end of the day, human beings are social creatures. What does that mean? Shawadiullah when he is describing in his Hujjatullah al-Baligha, when he's describing society and uh, the uh, Islamic rulings re regarding uh, relationships and so on, 
he discusses that the human being, unlike many other animals, some animals, they are totally <coughs> independent. W once they become adult, they hunt on their own, like the leopard, for example. Right? They don't need community. They don't need society. They're not social beings. But human beings are very social. Because there are so many things that we're in need of. We're in need of production. We're in need of cooking. We're in need of sewing and clothing. We're in need of... Uh, advocacy, uh, solicitors, lawyers, we're in need of so many different things. And for all of that, you need other people because no single human being can fulfill everything. That's why some people do one thing, another body does somebody else, somebody else, and I do something else. And we contribute to one another. That's the human race. So humans are social creatures. And I guarantee you that if you think about it, who you are has been made up of so many different people. It's what you've seen and observed and taken from so many other people. There's so much which is maybe genetic from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you got because your father's like something, your mother's trait because they say, oh, okay, he's like his mother, this one's like his father. Right? Somebody will mention that. So some traits we will inherit maybe because Allah wants us to. But there are a lo lot of other things that I know, for example, there are so many things I've learned from a certain person I knew. Another person, another person. I can tell you like several things that there's one person who was in my community in America before. MashaAllah, Allah bless him. I've learned some very positive things from him. So we're always learning from others. So we're social beings, we're social creatures. So how do we define a good relationship? Uh, what I want to do is I want to mention a few points, a few notes, and then after that open it up to you for questions. So you can give me the complicated relationship issues and we can deal with that, make it more relevant. Because I could be telling you something what's in my mind and it may be completely irrelevant to all of you. Because you may have a very unique situation you want to ask about. So if you have questions, please get them ready. I'll be stopping in the next maybe 5-10 minutes. right? And then I'll, uh, inshallah, listen to your questions and um, uh, issues that you may be wanting to address. So how do you define a good relationship? What are the ingredients of a good relationship? Whether that be with your spouse whether that be with friends, neighbors, right? uh, parents, or anybody else. What are the basic ingredients? I think number one is trust. Trust is very important. There has to be mutual trust. I must trust you, you must trust me. To be honest. Because without trust, humanity would fail. We notice one thing that lying is supposed to be considered according to all cultures. A bad idea. Only in this culture now where we're living in what they call now post-truth. How much lies have been disseminated by using computer algorithms and Facebook and so on. How they won the Brexit vote. It's all coming out right now. And all computer manipulation. Looking at your profiles on Facebook. Getting people to vote that would have never voted. Because of targeting them with a certain campaign. So we're living in a bit of a complex world. And the Prophet ﷺ did mention that a time will come when you will start seeing the wrong as right and the right as wrong. You will see the munkar as the ma'roof and the ma'roof as the munkar. And you'd be surprised that, hey, you really don't understand that there's something wrong with this? There's an interesting story that's told about a person living in some village community somewhere. I don't know how true the village is, but it has a moral. I don't, I don't know how true the story is, but it has a moral. 
So he is, there's a water supply which everybody's taking from. Everybody takes from a certain water supply for their water needs. That water supply is now diminishing and there's very less water there. So now there's another water supply further out. Some people, because there's maybe too, it's too busy here, they're starting to take from the other water supply because it's more abundant but it's further away. This guy knows that a problem with the other water supply is that anybody who drinks from that water is going to change. And they will forget their past. I mean, not, they won't forget their personal past, but they will forget the morality of the past. They will take on new ideas, right? And when it's something as essential as water, how are you going to stop people from going there? It's easier to take from there. Brothers, don't watch this thing. Keep away from this media. Keep away from that. It's very difficult. It's in your face. It's just like water for us today. Slowly, slowly, he starts seeing people change. When you're talking to those people, they, they've changed. You can't even make them feel like, hey, you used to, this was, you would have considered this wrong a year ago. They're just not getting it because it's brainwashed, complete. Slowly, max, more and more people. And eventually, it's only him left or maybe his family. What's he going to do? This water now eventually finishes. So maybe he becomes like that. Everybody becomes the same. That's a sad case. That's a sad idea. So trust is very important between relationships. When you trust your family, when you trust anybody, your friend, your colleague, whoever it is, you, you form a powerful bond. Trust is something, because the Prophet ﷺ said that amana is a hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari, Sahih Muslim, that amana will be lifted. But it won't be lifted altogether. It'll be lifted slowly, slowly. And the Prophet ﷺ explains that um, you, you, uh, it will be like a boil, then it will be left, there'll only be a small amount left. It'll be like a mithil wakt. It'll only be a small amount, like a small boil or a small pimple left of amana. Eventually, he said that, um, eventually, if there's a person with justice, amana, trustworthiness, fairness, it will, that person will become famous. Oh, the, the only fair person we know, the only honest person we know, the only just person we know is in that community down there. Like I know somebody in Stamford Hill who's just. You know, I know somebody in Whitechapel who's just. That's about it. It will become so scarce. So we need to have that powerful bond because justice creates a powerful bond. Right? When you can trust somebody. Once there was a person who told, uh, you know, lots and lots of years ago, he told his uh, friend that he wanted him to look after something for him while he was going to go abroad. Or Maybe it was some cash or something like that. He said, don't tell anybody that I've given this to you because, you know, you don't want everybody to know. So he says, where am I going to hide it? He says, I can't tell my wife. Right? I can't tell my wife. So the guy was surprised that, why can't you tell your wife? You should both be able to hold the secrets together. He said, I can't tell her because she's going to tell everybody. <laughs> so... The worst thing you could have in a relationship, especially in a family relationship, is that you can't be trusted to keep a secret. That's why we teach our children as well that anything that happens in the house, you can't go and like tell the whole world about it. Just for gossip purposes. If you like gossip, if you like talking, there are boundaries. There are just certain things you cannot mention about your wife, about your husband. It's just not right because that is going against trust. 
And subhanAllah, the husband and wife relation is probably the most important relationship for, you know, once you become an adult, you get married, that is the most, because that, that is then what governs your relation with your children. And sometimes the husband-wife relation is so important that it also governs the relationship with your own parents. Right? Because the husband can mess up his wife's relationship with her parents and the wife can do that with the husbands. <coughs> so trustworthiness is extremely important. You should be able to both be on the same wavelength. So basically from this trust idea, there's this next idea is that you must be on the same wavelength. This is very important, especially with the children. If the children know that my father, he's softer, and even if my mom says, no, you can't have this or you can't have that, I know my father's okay. If, he, if his father then allows it, then the mother is going to feel undermined. So what's the point? I can't say anything because then you just say yes afterwards. Husband and wife have to learn to come together on the same wavelength. Otherwise the children suffer in that case. If you do have trust, mashallah, there's a massive powerful bond because trust is a, a, a great ingredient, an essence of bonding together. You can, you'll be able to communicate more freely. There are people who are married and they don't even allow, they, the wife does not even know how much the husband makes. She's not allowed to open, she, well now you don't have pay slips that come through the post, right? It's all emailed now, right? Okay, she doesn't have access, she doesn't have to have access to your email, but he doesn't even know, he, she does not know how much he makes, she does not know how much is in his bank account. Now you might say, why does she need to know? Well, because it's a relationship. If he dies, then what happens? In this, in this country, if you don't have a will, everything goes to the spouse, right? Then you, you need to have this, you need to have a trust there. So, if you do trust people, you can more effectively and you can communicate more effectively and the benefit of that is that you can be more honest in your thoughts and actions because you know that they will they they, they, they appreciate what you say and even if you know they, they will they, they will understand what you say and they, they will not tell others or they, they will not say bad things about you so the benefit of that is that you won't waste any time or energy watching your back if I've said something by mistake or whatever, I know that, you know, my children or whatever, they're fine with me, so I don't have a problem with thinking, oh, now what's going to happen now? I'm going to have to be careful now. Right? Okay, number two is mutual respect. That's another reason why relationship is important, mutual respect, which comes from trust. When you, when you respect people, then the other benefit is that you're going to value their input. If I respect somebody, if I, am, if I consider somebody honorable, then if they say something, I'm going to give some weight to it. If I don't respect somebody, then anything they say doesn't make a difference to me. They're going to feel that. Because sometimes they might have a valid point, but I'm just like, I just dismiss because I just think they don't know anything. So can you see why these people are so important for us? Right? To be honest, I've seen that even the person you might think is despicable and doesn't know anything, even they have good things to say once in a while. Right? You just have to be gracious in the way you deal with such people. So that's why you're, gonna, you're going to value their input and ideas. You can't always have the best ideas. There's so many times that, even if I think I have the best ideas all the time, there's so many times that, you know, my wife has a better idea than me. Some of my children may have a better idea than me. That's a possibility, even if I think that I've got the best. Because no human being is perfect, except the Prophet <coughs> So let us realize our weaknesses. So that's why then working together, 
you can actually develop better solutions. That's why relationships are. And when you have uh, several people to, to, ha to, to uh, work together with, you get collective insight, you get collective wisdom, you get collective creativity. The next point is mindfulness. Mindfulness means, now this is a big one, we will make mistakes. Has anybody here never made a mistake with anybody, never said anything wrong to somebody? There are some people, I know of a marriage that broke up because at least one of the spouses was never willing to apologize. Never willing to apologize. Several people tried to help her. Right? I spoke to her, somebody else spoke. She listens to you as long as you're saying yes, yes. As soon as you tell her that she was wrong in anything, you're, you are biased. It's a psychological complex. Otherwise, apologies are a necessary part of life. So we must take responsibility of our words and actions. We may be angry, we may be hungry, we may be tired and we may say something. When we calm down, we must realize that we shouldn't have said that. Even if their reaction was, sometimes we say something and their reaction is worse. They didn't have to react that way. But then did we have to say that in the first place? A lot of the time, we say something, somebody reacts over the top. So then we start blaming them. But you reacted over the top. But you started it. No, but you reacted over the top. Well, who started it? You know, at least take whoever it is. The Prophet said, Al-Badi'u bis-salami bari'um min al-kibr. The one who starts, initiates the salam, he's the one who's free of, uh, he's the one who's free of pride. Initiate the salam, I mean, understanding is that if you break up with somebody, you're not, you, know, you don't want to speak to them, you don't want to say salam to them. The one who says, if so many times I've had an argument with my wife and I just feel, okay, even if she's to blame, I'm just going to say that because it's not worth carrying on. We know that there's a relationship that we have. Those who are mindful are careful and they attend to what they say. So we obviously must be sensitive about what we say in the first place so that we don't say. Some of us are just naturally negative. We like to say things in a negative way. We're just naturally like that. That's our challenge from Allah to make ourselves more positive. Allah has made every one of us unique. Some of us are, mashallah, very generous by nature. But we're very aggressive in our words by nature. That it's our family trait. That's what they say. Everybody speaks loudly in my family. Everybody speaks as though they're going to war. Right? Just some people are like that. Maybe you should use that becoming a good public speaker. Right? Use your talent in the right way. Don't use it. Be careful because you can see that your words might hurt somebody because, for example, some people are very brutally honest. They just say it as it is. Right? That's a challenge. It's a good thing right? because you don't lie. You don't beat around the bush. But at the end of it, sometimes not every place is a place to reveal the truth. Right? Somebody doesn't look too nice. Now it's the truth, isn't it? According to you. So you tell them, that's honesty. But it's going to be harmful, isn't it? Did you have to tell them that? Is it going to help them? Do you see what I'm saying? So I think we all need to recognize. That's why it, it might be a good idea, to be honest, to take that test. What is it called? Uh, no, no, not lie detector test. <laughs> SubhanAllah, not a lie detector test. It's called, uh, come on man, I'm fasting. Um, it's by Carl Jung students, uh, those two, Myers and... What is it called? Come on, don't you guys know? Don't any of your employers made you take it? Right. Myers-Briggs. Sorry? Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs, there you go. 
It's called the Myers-Briggs test. It's actually very interesting. They make you answer a lot of questions and then they give you your personality. And it's very interesting what you learn about yourself. There will be ideas about yourself that you have in the back of your mind that that's how I am, but you haven't put them into words. This will put it into words for you. And the benefit of that is then you can focus on your positives and negatives. Okay, that's my positive. This is my negative. It doesn't have to be 100% accurate, but it, is, it can be very, you know, very telling. So we focus on our negatives. If I've got a problem with... Uh, what do you call it from uh, not being very generous, being a bit stingy? Well, that's my challenge. Each one of us, Allah has given us some goods and there are other things that we have to challenge too. And that's why the deen, the akhlaq has to be taught. You see, a lot of people think I can't change. That's the way I am. I can't change. Allah made me like that. That's my nature. I've been like that for 60 years now. You guys need to change. I can't change anymore. I'm like the blackboard. Not the whiteboard, the blackboard, you know, after years and years of writing on it, you know, it becomes... That's how I am now, that's what people say. They're quite... Uh, the, the way they say it as well is like they're self-justifying. Everybody can change. Because the Prophet ﷺ said that we need to improve our character. If we could not change, Allah would never tell us to improve our character. The Prophet ﷺ would never tell us to improve our character. It means it can be changed. Yes, it will be difficult. Right? It will be difficult, but it can be changed. And we don't want a calamity. A lot of people, they change only when there comes a calamity. Then they become the most humble people. We don't want a calam calamity to change us. We want to change voluntarily, inshallah. The next, uh, next aspect of uh, good relationship uh, importance is welcoming diversity. <coughs> Allahu Akbar. Welcoming di diversity. What does that mean? We don't mean diversity in a particular sense. We're talking about diversity here means that people who have good relationships, right, that means that they find it easy to deal with people with divergent opinions. That's what you mean by di diversity. Somebody else holds another opinion. If I'm insistent always that it must be according to my opinion, I'm never going to be willing to listen to somebody else's opinion. Now, I must understand that people are different. And just a, uh, just a point here, I've mentioned this before several times as well, that sometimes you get somebody that may be praying close to you, and maybe he's praying next to you, and you see that every day, when the Imam comes up from sujood, everybody else comes up, and he stays, then he comes back five seconds later. Now that troubles you. Like, why is he trying to do that? Shaitan puts in your mind, is he trying to act more pious than everybody else? See what I'm saying? Small things like that, right? It's iftar time and he's still doing dua, right? Everybody else is breaking their fun, he's still doing dua. Now one thing, maybe he doesn't know, right? So we need to tell him right? that it's makru to delay your iftar. And once iftar time comes, the, the longer you fast, it's not going to give you any more benefit anymore. Because in Islam, our fasting is for a particular time and that's it afterwards. How do you deal with such people? That maybe the way their hair is, maybe the way they dress. You just find them a bit irritating. They have not done anything to irritate you. Just the way they look, you find them irritating. Just the way the sound of their voices, you find them irritating. Have you, have you seen? Do you know what I'm talking about? Right. Everybody finds, you know, there must be something weird about somebody that we find irritating. So I used to always be worried about that, like, how do you deal with that? MashaAllah, Imam Sha'arani, we were going through his book called Adab al-Sahba. Wonderful, wonderful series, wonderful book. We've actually got the whole recorded online. It's called uh, Etiquette of Companionship or something like that, Etiquette of Brotherhood or something like that. So he discusses this aspect in there and he says that basically when you have somebody like that, 
the way to deal with that situation is to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help you. To maybe go and give this guy a gift. To make dua for him. And slowly, slowly that will be eased. You know, because there's just certain people who were just, mashallah, much more, uh, you hit it off with much easier than others. It's about those difficult people that we need to worry about relations because your cousin might be like that. Your father may be like that for you. Allah, you know, Allah prevent that. But, you know, one of your children might be like that. So it's about trying to overcome that. So welcoming diversity, that's the way. So when your friends or your colleagues or family members, they offer different opinions to yours, you must take your time to consider what they have to say. Factor what they say in the decision making. Give some value to what they say. And lastly, for, uh, you know, for our uh, purpose here, open communication. We communicate all day right, to people, whether we're sending emails, text messages, speaking to them or whatever the case is. Better communication is a secret of major relationships. Be very careful how you say things, especially when you are talking to somebody on chat, text, because you can't see emotion in there. With your face, if you say something but you've got a big smile on your face and you say something that sounds a bit bitter, the person is going to think, no, no, he doesn't mean anything bad. But if you do that same statement, if you make that same statement over chat, it's going to be taken negatively because shaitan is always there to... Remember the enemy, shaitan, is always there to create friction. He loves that because the world, the chaos in the world is what he wants. So, just before I open it up to you, there's just a few things I want to mention. Uh, from the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ said, I have the best character and I'm the best to my wives. That was one of the most important relationships with his father had passed away, his mother had passed away, his grandfather had passed away, his uncle had passed away. He had younger uncles. Uh, Hamza eventually passed away. Abbas uh, was around for a while afterwards. But mainly a lot of his dealing was with the mass public but then his wives. Dealings with, dealing with your spouse, your husband, your wife is one of the most difficult relationships because you have to build them. So the Prophet ﷺ, he trusted his wives. When he had the most, um, uh, when he had this wahi revelation, this experience, he came back first to his wife. His wife trusted him, had such confidence in him that she basically calmed him down. For him to have come to his wife, he shows that relationship. And the Prophet always said it's all about best of character. Now look at this. Once the Prophet went to Fatima radiallahu anha's house to look for Ali radiallahu anha. He says, where's Ali? He says, he's sleeping in the masjid. Why is he sleeping in the masjid? For he's not in itikaf. Why is he sleeping in the masjid? Oh, we had a bit of a problem. Right? This is the best of families, the best couple in the world, the ideal couple. Fatima radiallahu anha and Ali radiallahu anha. What can, better can you get than that? He, he, he is the father of the, of the Hassan and Hussein who are going to be the leaders of the youth of Jannah. And Fatima radiallahu anha is going to be one of the great, you know, she's considered one of the greatest women. I mean, how can you have a better? And they had arguments. Right. So now this is the father-in-law. Now today father-in-laws, I mean, many father-in-laws, I mean, they just, and mother-in-laws, they don't, they're very biased. In all the counseling, I found that very few father-in-law, mother-in-laws are very honest in their situation. Because it's just a natural thing. So he said, okay, what's that? He says, in the masjid, because we had a bit. So he went to the masjid. 
And there Ali was lying down there with, uh, he had a bit of soil on him because as I said, the masjid was not carpeted or whatever. So the Prophet said, Kum Aba Turab. Stand up, father of soil. This is just a pet name, a fond kind of title he gave him then that, oh, you know, like you're the, the one, the soiled one. And the, uh, Ali Rudyan then woke up. So, diffusing a situation, calming a situation, not jumping to conclusions, not being biased. Everybody has their ups and downs, even in the best of families, as we mentioned. Right? What, let, let us finish off with a few points about relationships again in general. I mentioned the two sets of things. <coughs> relationships can bring a lot of pain. Relationships are not easy. Right? In any relationship, there's going to be pain. Because nobody is 100% robotic that we've got been programmed to work in tandem with one another. Right? Uh, Microsoft Excel works very good. You can take a spreadsheet from there and paste it into Microsoft Word. And, you know, they've been built to work harmoniously. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made us all different. That's our uniqueness. Alhamdulillah. So there's going to be pain in there. We have to invest in relationships. That's what they call it. They call investing in relationship to bear the fruits of it. You have to put some money in first. And that's why they say that generally the best thing to do is to create an emotional bank in any relationship. What that means is that, you know, if we keep doing good to somebody, right? If I've got a student, if I've got a teacher, if I've got, you know, wife, children, whatever. If I do enough good voluntarily, good, that's going to add to this balance in their mind that, hey, this guy is good for me. Now, if there's a, if that balance goes up to maybe 60, right? Imagine 60, because I give them gifts, I'm nice to them, I help them out, I'm compassionate. You know, I've created this emotional balance, right? Now, if something wrong happens, what happens is that some of this balance will go down. But because there's enough of it, they're going to think, oh, there's enough of it to counter this negativity. So if you have enough of this balance, inshallah, you just have to keep building balance with everybody. Always do be nice to people. So that if anything ever does go wrong, then that can help us, inshallah, depreciate some of that. A few uh, final points. Don't play the blame game. That should be avoided. Don't keep blaming people, everybody else. Number two, ego. Right? Again, in a short time, there's only so much we can do. So ego, our self-pride has to be dealt with. Because if we have ego, we're never going to have good relationships. Unless everybody's your murid, right? Or everybody's just your slave. Or it's... Um, they basically say that in a husband-wife relationship, if the wife never complains, has never, nothing to complain about, then either they are, mashallah, they're exceptionally just, mashallah, after years they've just been totally harmonious now. Or it's an abusive relationship that she can't say anything or he can't say anything. Because it's an abusive relationship, that's why they have to be silent. So that's why a nice to and fro sometimes is a good idea, it's healthy. Because if there's nothing, if they, nobody can criticize anyone else, anybody else, it means it's either an abusive relationship or it's the perfect relation, which is hardly going to be the case. So ego, self-worth of others is very important. Always realize that other people also have a self-dignity and self-worth in our relationships. We have to try to maintain that while also trying to be successful in, in our goal. Um, this, that others are always at fault, that's a big, big no-no. 
Others don't always. Yes, others will be at fault a lot of time. But it's, sometimes it's not about finding the fault. It's about moving along. It's about moving on. Because if we're going to get down into the ditch to find out who is at fault, the world is going to pass by. We're not going to be productive. Let's move on. Okay, it's done. Let's carry on. Right? Um, don't always think that justice is never present. Everybody's unjust. This is a bad attitude. The Prophet ﷺ said, if you think everybody's destroyed, and in our words, if you think everybody's messed up in the world, some people believe that. The world is all messed up. Everybody's messed up. So the Prophet ﷺ said that if you're a person who thinks everybody else is messed up and destroyed, then you're the most destroyed of them. Because what an attitude. You think there's no goodness in the world? You know, there's no goodness in the world. Subhanallah, that really starts making you look at things more positively. That because if I think everybody's messed up, I'm probably the most messed up because I'm just reflecting on myself. Right? Um, life does not ever seem fair. These are bad shaitani ideas in the mind. Life is not fair. Justice is not present. Others are always at fault. I am the victim. These are all shaitani ideas. Yes, sometimes we are the victim. Sometimes life is not fair in the way things are happening. And sometimes others may be at fault, and sometimes they may not be justice, but that's not always the case. If you've got an attitude that this is always the case, then it's a problem. So now let me finish off by saying that again, it comes down to good character. Let us try to understand what our problems are. Be honest with ourselves and try to rectify that. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min ash-shiqaq wa nifaq wa su'il akhlaq. Oh Allah, I seek your refuge from hypocrisy, from disputation, argumentation, and from bad character. That dua has helped me a lot. Right? I, I, I still want to read it so many more times because I've got so much more to improve, but it's helped me a lot. Remember, relationships have to be built. Then they have to be maintained. And they have to be repaired. So if you can keep that in mind, that with our parents, neighbors, whoever it is, we have to build our relationship. We have to then maintain it. And then we have to then repair it. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us success. And may, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be, to give us greater basira and insight about our own selves. So that inshallah, if we are the person who knows your own, know thyself, if you know your own self, then it is much easier to deal with a lot of other people and maintain relationships. May Allah grant us successful communities, successful families, and successful ummah. So the question is that if you've got a problem with another Muslim brother, then how do you get back together? That's a, again, a big topic because it depends on what they've done. right? If it's something small that they did, then it wasn't worth it in the first place. So think. Why have I got this problem? Why is this problem? Is it from their side? Is it from my side? Can you see how many possibilities there are? If it, I want to do my best, all I need to try to do is I want to do my best to try to rectify as far as I, I, I can. Which basically means, let me go and say salam to him. Let me maybe go and say, look, you know, we had that bit of an issue. It's Ramadan. People's hearts are softer in Ramadan. Maybe it's the day of Eid. Maybe it's the 15th of Shaban. Maybe, you know, there's been a death in the family. You can use these opportunities sometimes to find an inroad and say, look, brother, we've had these issues. Life is short. Let's just finish it. Right? So it depends on the dispute. Now, if the dispute is that you owe them money, then you can't just go and seek forgiveness because they're going to want the money. So we need to go and give them. You know. 
So it really depends on whether there's a right involved or is it just a silly issue that became a big issue. Everything has to be well thought about. But the main thing is if we can keep in mind that I want to try to resolve this. I want to try to overcome it. I'm willing to forgive. Right? I'm willing to overlook. I'm willing to pardon. Attitude, inshallah, will help. And the first person to say salam, the first person to initiate, will inshallah be the one who will be rewarded inshallah for that. So keep that all in mind. It helps a lot. Because inshallah we can realize that, look, at the end of the day, my disputation with this brother, it's not going to get me anywhere in this world. It's making me unhappy. We just realized today it makes you unhappy. Because when you have a bad relationship, they've actually identified even the, the hormones in the brains which, which drip. I think it's called cortisol, right? If I, remember, if I remember correctly. I think it's called cortisol. Somebody correct me. Right? When you have a negative situation, there's a constant dripping of cortisol. Right? And that's bad for you. That leads to stress. It, and then stress leads to other physical ailments. So why would you want to be in a problematic relationship like that? Because eventually it's going to lead to headaches, diabetes, Allah prevent. But a lot of ailments and sicknesses are based on stress. Stress is brought on by unhealthy relationships. So it's not worth it. Be like that Sahabi who the Prophet, the Prophet said that there's going to be a man who is going to come in who Allah loves and, Allah, and he loves Allah. So everybody's wondering, it must be Omar, it must be some great person that comes in. And then a simple Sahabi that they, wouldn't, you know, they didn't know to be somebody great came in. And that one other Sahabi, Abdullah ibn Amr, I think it was, radiallahu anhu, went to stay with him to find out what he does, which is so valuable that the Prophet made this statement about him. And after three days, he didn't see him making any extra nafil or extra worship. He did his basics, right? And then he found out that it was simply because the person told him finally, I mean, I'm cutting the story short, that when I go to sleep, I, I clear my mind of all, uh, all of these negative thoughts about people. That, that is just so happy. Right? It's so satisfying. Okay, the question is that, you know, there's some people say who you don't do it. I had a, I had a case of a, uh, an older grown-up family man. His complaint, he used to look, his father, used to, his father and mother used to stay at his house. His, him and his wife would make, serve them. He had a brother and his complaint always was that his brother is the one his parents like more. Even though they don't stay at his brother's house, they stay at his house, he does all the khidmah, he spends the money and everything, but they always love. Now look, if you genuinely have a situation like that, where somebody is, where somebody is non-reasonable like that, unfair like that, even though you've done your best, absolute best, like genuinely you've done your best, then you can only hope for your reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah will always reward, you have to remember that. But a lot of the time, the, the devil here in the, is in the detail, is that have we tried our best? Are we doing something major? Or have we tried our best? Just because we have to have obedience to parents, for example, some parents are unjust. Some parents are oppressive. That's a reality. And Allah will reward a person for tolerating that, inshallah. Yes, now it's yours. How do you deal with people who everybody tries to avoid and they're hard to please? Well, it depends on who they are. 
if there's some random stranger, you don't have to worry about them. Right? But if there's somebody who you're going to run in with every day, if they're your family member, now look, what you have to understand is that, you know where it says that you shouldn't break up relationship with anybody for three days, beyond three days. So it doesn't mean that to mend that relationship, then you must go and start speaking to them for hours on end, and you must have dawats at their house, and you must invite them for food and all of that. It's just that at least you have salam kalam, you know, like you are, you are at least uh, decent in your, in your, assalamu alaikum, how are you bus? If there's a problem with somebody that you just can't get along with them because of their attitude or your attitude, whoever it is, right? We're not going to play the, play the blame game here. Then you just keep the discussion to a minimum. Assalamu alaikum. If there's a need that they have, you go and help them out. The problem is if they've got a need and we shun them. They've got a happiness, we don't even give them, uh, you know, we don't give them a, uh, uh, what's the word? Sorry. I'm, yes. You don't congratulate them. So that's the idea here. You're not responsible for... Now, if it's your father, if it's your mother, if it's your sister, your brother, again, same thing. You try to do the best because, you see, if you're going to try to do more and it creates a fitna, then we have to avoid fitna. So you can't force yourself into a relationship, but you can't break a relationship. So keep every relationship according to a distance. But first, we must always introspect ourselves to see if I am the problem. Sometimes we are the problem, we were the problem, they've developed an idea about us, now we've changed, but they don't know that. They're going by the back. It's our, we have to make, be honest and make an effort to try to change that perspective. Because some people just don't forget. Can you see how varied this is? But the main thing is, as I said, if you, if you focus on the ingredients we gave, the good character, the akhlaq, looking at the future, uh, talking about investment, forgiveness, then inshallah, one of these things will work. You have to throw a lot of these in to get the perfect biryani, inshallah. Allahumma anta salamu anka salam tabarakti adal jalali wa likram. Allahumma ya hiyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastawif. Allahumma ya hannanu ya mannan la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna min al-zalimin. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Oh Allah, we ask you for your mercy. Oh Allah, we ask you for your blessings. Oh Allah, we ask you for your generosity. Oh Allah, this is the month of generosity. We see so many people acting so generously, giving so much for others to eat and spending so much in your path. Oh Allah, if this is how they feel, then your generosity is greater than all of generosity. Oh Allah, we ask that you accept us and our deeds, even though we have weakness. Oh Allah, you improve our relationships. Oh Allah, that you give us a happy life, a hayatan tayyiba. Oh Allah, you, give, you allow us to work on our own weaknesses. Oh Allah, above all, you allow us to recognize our weaknesses and then to rectify and enhance our weaknesses. Oh Allah, we ask that you make us of good character. You make us followers of Rasulullah in everything. Oh Allah, we ask that you remove the oppression from, uh, from the oppressed and the subjugated people around the world. Oh Allah, that you grant them also happiness on the day of Eid. Oh Allah, that you also make this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. Oh Allah, that you make us closer to you than we've ever been before. Oh Allah, accept our du'as. Oh Allah, accept our du'as. Oh Allah, send your abundant blessings on our Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and grant us his company in the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun ala al-mursaleen wa alhamdulillah.